Stefan and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Bonjour. Hello, hello. Bonsoir. Hello. Hi, everybody. Buenos dias. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Mushy, mushy. And hello once again. The weird friend. Today's topic. The weird friend. No, don't freak out. I'm not disrespecting anybody. We're looking at the word weird and looking at the weird friends in our lives. Now, it's not what you think. We're going to look at the adjective and with the etymology of weird. Weird is not what you think it is. Or maybe you do. Strange, peculiar? Strange, peculiar, disturbingly different, odd, right? No, this is not what, this is not what you're looking for. <laughs> this is not the droids. What are, what is it? These, These are, not are not the droids, the droids you're, looking you're looking for. for. Yeah. Or this is not your father's weird. <laughs> I don't know. So the adjective comes from late middle English. It originally meant having the power to control destiny. Then it became this unearthy thing. It was a late middle. I can't talk today. Late middle English. <laughs> originally meant having the power to control destiny and it was used especially in the weird sisters originally referring to the fates later the witches in shakespeare's macbeth and i think that that highlights just the bard because if there can only be one and he's the guy his casting a shadow over over all because he is regarded as the greatest fiction author of all time frankly you mean shakespeare yeah i'm sorry or who, who did i say well you just said he or the lord Bard. or lord byron whoever wh whatever your belief is there are lots of people that believe it wasn't actually shakespeare but it was byron yeah but whoever that guy was maybe it was a woman point so weird circa 1400s right right i'm assuming when you when you read stuff and it says circa 1400 it's it's AD. Is it AD or are we in AD or BC? Well, and that's just no, we're it. in like AD. Our kids <laughs> are like there's like CE and stuff. And things Common keep changing. Era. All these, because you know what? I blame you. You and the acronyms and all, like all these letters and things. Just w whatever. So a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, it's it's so weird. Means having power to control fate, and. It goes from Old English to Saxon. Is it the same as, is Saxon the same as Old English? No, Whoa, it's not. Whoa, let's be very, very right. careful. Okay? Oh my God. Because like, I'm not, I'm not a British historian. I, I, I watch far too much British TV and there's like the Anglos, there's the Saxons, there's the Anglo-Saxons, there's the Scots, there's, I mean, it's all over the place. Well, I have a half page of notes of where weird came from from all these different cultures, from all these different societies in the past, okay? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into every single one because I'll fall asleep myself. So <laughs> I'll just say, I'll just say they all say the same thing about weird. And so I'll just, I highlighted some of my notes. This is the meaning that came up for all of these cultures. Can I say cultures, right? 
Is it cultures? You're probably safe saying that, yes. All right. So fate, chance, fortune, destiny, literally means that which comes to turn, to wind, to become, to turn, to bend. What came up a lot was turning, becoming. And then the sense is uncanny, supernatural, developed from Middle English use of weird sisters. Now then weird sisters is the three fates or norns, the three fates well, or norns. Well, the three fates from Macbeth. From the, no, 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 no. Before that, it, it, it comes from the Germanic mythology, the norns, the oh. three sisters, the three fates. It's the goddesses who controlled human destiny. They were portrayed later as frightening or odd in appearance in Macbeth. That's where it became a little bit like the more towards the weird that we think of as weird. Well, in Macbeth, because, weren't they described also as witches? Right, so. right. Just like the three Norns, right? Well, but isn't it interesting how you take anything good that women do and then you turn them into evil? Like even witch. A witch is someone like an apothecary kind of a person, like a person who works with herbs, who is a healer, you know, who works in the ethereal realm, who's an herbalist. <laughs> and they became these ugly, green, wart-covered, pointy-hatted, evil women. Right. You know, it's interesting, once again, how women are put down in society century upon century, right? True. So they became frightening in appearance, like in Macbeth, especially in the 18th and 19th century productions of it, of Macbeth, which led to the, how do you pronounce this word? Adjectival? Adjectival? <laughs> Meaning the adjective, basically, oh, okay. uh, of odd, odd-looking, uncanny, like around 1815. Mm-hmm. And then around 1820, weird was associated with odd, strange, disturbingly different. So from 1820 on, that's when weird shifted. Isn't that uncomfortable how they put uh, disturbing and different? Like, because you are different, it must, by definition, be disturbing? It's kind of uncomfortable. Right. Exactly. And And that's the problem we have right now with cultures with different races you know with people like you know who've been in history like a hitler be afraid of whatever is different they're evil right right that's not what i'm saying but that's what they said let's let's make it clear so i didn't know what a norn was the three norns what norn means in norse mythology it means smart people oh that's interesting because there was only three of them well I think the archetype was the three, the three women, right? Right. And you, you taught me this. So there were three, three, were they witches or well, they let, were women? Let's, let's be careful because that also then stems from the Greek and the Greek tradition and the Norse tradition are different. You were talking about the Nor, the Norns. Ugh, this is going too slow. Yeah, the Norns were three women and they represented an understanding of the past, the present and the future. And you told me one spun thread. Now we're in Greek. That's Greek? That's Greek. It's oh Greek. Oh, my God. Oh, it's Greek. Oh. So <laughs> do you want to explain the three? So it's... Norse mythology is a weird critter. And I love mythology, by the way. So sorry, I digress. But the Norns, 
bear a remarkable similarity to what the Greeks described as the fates. And the fates described by Homer, and I think they ended up spinning their way into plays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the Greeks throw all the pageantry on it. I think the Norse tend to streamline and keep things simple and yet very confusing, whereas the Greeks build a, a whole mythology around it because there, there are three sisters. And yes, okay, so fine, in the, Norn, in the Norns, they're past, present, and future. Okay, cool. I think I can work with that. But then in Greek mythology, it's like, well, okay, so one, like, spins thread. Okay, fine. But a thread is a life. The second one measures the thread. So the longer the thread, I guess the longer you live. And the last one cuts the thread. So that dictates, that's the absolute limit to how long you're going to live, I believe. Uh-huh. So, wow. That's kind of a... And so I have to assume... I wouldn't go talk to these people who can measure out my life and cut it short because if I piss them off, what are they going to do to me? Well, it's interesting because you're or you or they are assuming this is an external force where I see it as an internal force. Like, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name for it, but it's a life force. It's a it's a cell. It's a molecular thing that if you have enough life force in you and you can uh, change it by breath work in, in yoga, but it's kind of like, um, it's a biology thing where it's, it's compared to, it's similar to if you have shoelaces, you know, the, the plastic part at the end of the shoelace that keeps it from getting out of control Mm -hmm. with the threads coming out, that plasticky tip, it's referred to as something like that, that, you can change that, but if you don't put intention upon it, if you don't have proper life force in you, that that gets smaller and smaller, much like the threads. And that is actually what determines how long your lifespan is. That if you have enough life force in you, and you can change it, by the way, that part of the shoelace thingy, the longer it gets, the longer your lifespan gets. So, I don't know, you can think of these three women as an external force or an internal one. I got you. But anyways, let's spin this back. My goodness, we are, it feels like we're very much off topic. Well, don't we always go roundabout, but it's all related. We'll bring it back. Don't worry, folks. I wonder how many people, how many of you are listening on on double speed, I wonder. Sometimes I know we talk a little slow. Because <laughs> I know when I listen to podcasts, I'm on double speed. And if I, I could go, tr- go triple, I would go triple. So if I talk really fast, I'll have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so go go ahead. Come on. I don't want people to go on second speed. Go. Right. I totally get it. So how do we, how do we, how do we deal with, how does this tie into friendship? You know. Yeah, okay. So you want to get into friendships? Of tie, course. Tie it around, baby. Oh, my goodness. So who are these people? And are they an external force? Are they an internal force? Are they people that you meet along the way? Are they your friends? How does, how is your fate get tied up in friendship? I have so many examples, and some are friends, and some are people I never saw their faces. And some are enemies. And some are enemies. Woo-woo. But in the end, they're all friends. Oh, dear. Well, I've had lots of enemies who put me on the right path. And then I started tripping out on it, thinking, wow, maybe on another realm, we made a contract with one another for this person to be a total jerk to me. 
for me to experience what I experienced. Like they showed, they were kind enough to show they're ugly, but in fact, perhaps on a spiritual level, we are friends. And they agreed to meet me on this path to have a certain experience occur. Wow. So You never thought about that? Oh, I've no, thought about that since I was a kid. I think about things like that, but I don't think about things as far as like we plan this all out, you know. Somebody might just be having a bad day or somebody might be... I think everything you know, is planned out. I, I believe in a certain... I like to hold on to a certain sense of a lack of maliciousness in most people. Well, it, I'd love to but say that's all just people, what I'm saying, though. If you step far, far away from it, nothing is malicious. There's no good or bad. We've talked about this before. Is it good? Is it bad? Don't know. Well, we certainly have, but I... Matt just gave me a crazy look, I, by the way. Eyebrows I can, up I can and down. I construct scenarios where I can't see any good happening because of this. So there you go. So anyways. Where so, are we going? So give us an example of somebody <laughs> oh, who, do you want me to start? who affected your fate. Someone who changed a, my destiny. A weird person who affected your fate. A weird friend. All right, let's call him a friend. Well, I mean, the first person I can think of I've already talked about on this show, two people I've, I've talked about on this show, you know, I had to go back to the beginning, like the youngest I can remember a friend changing my path. It feels weird because I, I don't want to talk about the first one and have that be like, okay, this was the most important one. I'm just remembering the first, like, one I can remember as a child. I've talked about her before. She was called The Witch. When I was in first grade, I attended first grade in two different countries. I was in the Middle East. It was a scary time. Like there was revolution about to happen. Things were bad. Right. But it wasn't bad yet. It was bad from the perspective of the force years or noticing what's happening politically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I stopped talking. I wouldn't speak. And it was first grade. I was just quiet. And we had come from the United States. So we were known as the Americans. I was known as the American. Mm -hmm. So in first grade, in the Middle East, it was just weird. It was scary. And I was on my own because, of course, you all know the story. My family wasn't very um, involved or caring. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I did everything on my own. I like checked myself into school. Like Maybe the parents... Um, <laughs> I can just see you like walking up, taking a look. There's the school and there's like the big doors and you go in the office and you're like, I'm ready for school today. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing here? We tore up your records because I was American. I was right? thinking they in America. Were... I wasn't thinking. Oh, but... no. America was great. Oh, my God. When I came to, oh, in L.A., I had the best teachers. See, I was thinking in the positive way. But okay. anyways. Well, I'm just re referring to the trauma. <laughs> like I had to go. And it was a totally different regime that was starting. And I was in English school, like English, like UK. And things were changing. So they were, it was just weird and uncomfortable. And also uncomfortable enough when you go from one country to another, like major culture uh, shock. So here I am. There was this one girl who was referred to as the witch. She was very, very, very skinny. And her skin was almost translucent so you could see her veins especially in her hands. Like her hands looked like she was 100 years old. And they made fun of her. I was very spunky. I don't know if I've talked to you guys about the guy I beat up during recess because he would not keep his hands off me. 
I mean, we're in first grade. He would kiss me and it was like getting kissed by a St. Bernard with all the slobber on your face. And it would happen in class and I would raise my hand and tell the teacher and the teacher would say, oh, that's so cute. And I remember looking at her because I had complained a few times and her response was always the same. Oh, how cute. And I remember it was in the middle of class. I raised my hand. I said, I need him off of me. I don't want to sit next to him. And he keeps kissing me. I don't want that. And so the whole class heard it and she's like, oh, that's so cute. And I remember slowly putting my hand down and just staring at her. And (laughs) that's when I started scaring myself because I was like, okay, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. And come recess, I pummeled this kid. But anyway, so it was that kind of... How did I end up talking about this? Uh, I don't know. You were talking about your friend. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't take any guff from anybody. <laughs> 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 like, I tried to obey the rules, but if I wasn't helped, I took matters into my own hands. So this this girl who was called the witch, I don't recall her speaking either. I was new to school. We became friends. We spotted each other from across the schoolyard. We locked arms. I talk about this all the time. And we would walk arm in arm. And it was like the Red Sea parting of all the bullies and all these stupid kids who said horrible things to her about her. And no one, no one bothered us. Nobody. And I, and I, I like to think because they knew I would, I would, I would, I would beat them up. And I was tiny myself. Like we were, I wasn't skinny like her, but I was small. You know what I mean? Like to a petite right. little girl. But um, we were a force to be reckoned with, man. And so she, she provided destiny for me because now that I think about it, all these years later, whenever I talk about friendship and the true feeling of it, I think of her and I think about us um, locking arms and walking, going on strolls through the yard mm-hmm. at recess and lunchtime and before school. And that bond that I felt, that that sense of security, mm-hmm. that sense of power that you have with a friend, that for me was one of the weird friend moments right. because it, it was truly magical it was truly if you think about it fortunate destiny filled because now that's all i talk about that's my whole mission is the friendship the bond and i always go back to her so she's one she's one of my weird friends but i have a list i have a huge list of people why don't you go next so mine aren't nearly like who changed think, your life who? as quote-unquote mystical but uh, yeah one of them was actually one of my teachers in high school she is the one who mentioned what then became the college I and the university I ended up attending. And it's bizarre because sometimes people just ace in and in and out. And then this was the second class I had had with her. And I was finally like I had a class with her in ninth grade and then a class with her in like 12th grade, which is both ends of high school. And actually, yeah, it was probably 12th grade. She knew me by the time she had me the second time, like she knew who I was. And she mentioned, again, she mentioned the college I ended up going to, and she mentioned this as being a good school and then something we should look into and the whole bit. And it almost felt like she was addressing me personally because I'm the only student from my grade who went to that school. 
because it was like eight hours away, et cetera, et cetera. But go banana slugs. But what's so interesting then about this whole, sometimes people just kind of lance in and out, is literally two years later, no, I think it was three years later, the younger brother of one of my friends in high school graduated from from high school. And I went to his graduation ceremony because I knew him and, you know, that's cool. And I ran into her again. I ran into that teacher. Didn't even remember me. It was a weird world. Completely, obviously changed the trajectory. Certainly the university you go to certainly puts you in an interesting place, right? Right. Well, if you're going to talk teachers, I have I have two teachers. I have like maybe three actually, but I, I'll talk about two similar time period. For me, it was high school. Did you have school counselors that were therapists, like psychologists oh, or yeah. psychotherapists? Yeah, Mrs. Callard. Not that I ever talked to her, but... I think mine was Miss McLennan. I don't remember exactly, but she saved my life. Because I was having trouble, of course, like you all know with my family. One day I showed up to school and I couldn't stop crying. Mm-hmm. I had clutched every bit of any photography project equipment I had purchased on my own I was clutching onto them because it was just kind of like a violent night before with family and I was told you turn in every photography anything you have you're never to do photography you're not allowed to work you're just going to go to school and come home that's it like after a violent night like me not violent them being violent like it was horrible. Right. But anyway, so um, I just pulled all my stuff together and I was always working from even before the legal age of working. I was always like an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. I was trying to save money actually for college for myself, even at age 11. And so everything that I had acquired on my own, I, I just grabbed and I went to school and I, and then I just broke down into tears and I couldn't stop crying. And um, wow. Sorry. Right. She's getting emotional, folks. So what happened was somehow I ended up in the office before school. And I guess all the teachers noticed. Someone made me go to the office. I don't know. I don't remember what. Um, And our school was really strict. In L.A., we had lockdowns. We were not allowed in between classes to be walking anywhere. You would be in big trouble if you were caught without a hall pass. Right. Did you have that? Yeah, we were we were a closed campus, so yeah, and again. Um, so like nobody was allowed to walk freely anywhere. You had to have either someone like a teacher with you or you had to have a pass. And I remember that day all the teachers let me wander around campus. Like nobody like said boo to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the bleachers and crying. I was like crying the whole time. I was just like walking around and I remember one of my favorite teachers back then, the photography teacher, was like, he, that's the day he became a jerk to me because I went to him to talk. Right. And he's like, I don't know what to do with you, Fawn. And I'm like, I looked at him. I'm like, wow, I guess I know that I know where you stand. Thanks. Right. And I, I really looked up to him. And so the two teachers that totally ended up changing my destiny or putting me on the path Mm -hmm. was the school psychologist who I was afraid of because I thought if you saw, back then I had the mentality like if you go to a therapist, you must be crazy. Mm -hmm. And I remember someone said, you should go see Miss McLennan. And I said, no, I'm not crazy. I don't need to. And um, they're like, okay, okay, whatever. And then 
I ended up walking to her office a couple hours later and like she knew like she was dealing with some other kid and she excused the kid and had me sit down instead mm-hmm. in her office. I thought she was going to say, you know, we're going to bring your parents in here. And we're going to make things work out. So I told her what happened and she did the opposite. She was like, we got to help you. You got to get away from these people. That was the first therapist I had. And I had many after that who said, you got to get away from these people. And um, so she was the one who handed me this, this book, this uh, catalog of the school I ended up attending. The cover of this catalog was an eye. And I was obsessed with photographing eyes. And I was obsessed with a particular thing that you did back then in photography where you change the emulsion of the film by drastically changing the temperature of how you're processing the film. So it breaks the emulsion and creates a process that's called reticulation. And now you can do it in Photoshop in a second. But it... It created this pixelated, but it wasn't pixels. It was like puzzle pieces in a way of an image, and it it it, it separates them. It's a it's a special technique. I got like you. if you see it, you'll know it. Mm-hmm. And so that that was the cover was a reticulated eye, and, I, and, she, and she didn't know she didn't know that about my photography, but she hands me this book. She goes, "I have a feeling this place would be good for you." And I looked at the cover and it was that image and I was like, that's the place for me. I didn't even open the book. Right. And that's where I ended up going to school. The other one that day was Mr. Lomelli. Mr. Lomelli was the drama teacher. And he always told me that I should pursue being an actor because I, he called it it. I have it. He described people as you have it if you can see and recognize someone by their back in a crowd. If someone's in a crowd and you're only seeing their backs, Mm -hmm. if you can recognize that person from just looking at them from behind, that person has it. And it's not a physical thing. It's a magnetic energy thing. Like they have a presence about them. And so he would always say that about me. And I remember always being backstage and that's where I would go cry because it was dark and no one else was there. And he would have like the best talks with me, like give me such coaching. Like, you're a great person. You're so talented. Don't listen to these people. Mm-hmm. So he was one. Sorry, I'm crying. Now you go ahead. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this one's slightly earlier for me. And I, God, it feels like mine are so small next to yours. But here we are. Um but, uh, uh, yeah, little shout out to Tom, his wife, Gwen, and their little boy, Wesley, who is, God, not a little boy anymore. He was an infant. So Tom and Gwen. Tom was a program director at the YMCA, Los Cerritos YMCA. Shout out. And Gwen was his wife. Sweet. And they had, they had a little boy, and he was probably in the neighborhood of six to nine months. And I called him Little Wesley Headbanger because I'm a heavy metal dude, and I, this was like, I was like, you know, 16, 17. I, you can't tell me what to do. I ended up, I, I was at the YMCA, which I, I guess is credit to my sister who was always involved in the YMCA. And Tom and Gwen took me in practically. Like, he was in charge of everything, and Gwen was just super sweet. And, like, 
I liked hanging out in the arts and crafts hut because, yeah, I liked hanging out in the arts and crafts hut. I, I won't say that the person running the arts and crafts hut was extremely attractive, but we could say that. Uh, and Gwen came in and we were hanging out. We were talking. I was the quote unquote counselor in charge of all the student, all the, all the kids who were there, which is a weird world, but I'm still so, uh, but like they took me in and they were like just normal. And like, I could see, first of all, the love that they had, and I could see the love they had for their son, like love they had for each other. And they started embracing me with that. And it really gave me pause because in my world, it was like me and like three or four other people against the whole flipping world that just wanted to tell me how to be, how to see, how to, how to go. And they just, they saw me, they accepted me, and we all moved on. And, you know, it was just, it was just nice. And it was just simple. And it doesn't have to, weird doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be complicated, but you can feel the shift. You can feel like things starting to change. And that's when I think things started to change and I started to be more like, you know what? I'm just gonna show who I am. And if you don't like it, that's what it is, not, I'm just going to be angry and I'm just, you're just going to get this red wall every time you try and even look at me. So you're going to be like afraid or you're not going to want to. And it really, it really tweaked it for me. And that was at the beginning of the tweak that happened when I started my senior year in high school, which is where I really just mellowed out, quote unquote, mellowed out. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have said Yes, you absolutely mellowed out on everything. I certainly didn't. I was still very, very angry at a lot of things, but that was the beginning of the quote-unquote softening and the beginning of the let your freak flag fly and who cares, as opposed to let your freak fly, let your <laughs> fleet fly flow. No, um, let your freak flag f fly, and if anybody has anything to say about it, then it's going to be conflict. Right. And that's that, that, that kind of represented an important shift for me. And it's interesting the way you're talking about that. I can now see the series of events that occurred and it led you to Santa Cruz. It led you to Aikido. Well, Santa Cruz definitely led me to Aikido because Aikido was hugely popular like there. That, I didn't study it there, but it was hugely popular. But like, I think that started you on the softening path. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's Tom, it's Gwen, Cram. And their son, little Wesley, little Wesley headbanger. So speaking of events, like the whole train of events, we were talking about evil people. I was just going to give you another weird friend example, which is Holly for me. But what led me to Holly was a result of an evil person. I was a photographer. Back then, I really was into traveling to far, far away places, places that were very hard to get to. I had quit Aveda, mm -hmm. so I wasn't a corporate photographer anymore, and I was burnt out, so I was a barista. I was like, nuts to this. Mm -hmm. I'd rather serve coffee right, and then do my own projects somehow. And so I started to fund my own projects and, and do my own thing, and some of them were really expensive. I'm sorry, but like especially back then, I was using film, it was expensive. Just to take one shot is expensive. Right. And so I ended up connecting with this famous photographer. We ended up just connecting over the phone, over email and phone. 
and we decided to share the expenses of going on a photo shoot where we would each do our own separate photo shoots but we would share the car and we would share you know you always need a guide especially when you're going out in the bush someone to translate from from tribe to tribe right and also physical protection right yeah I mean, you, you, and there are so many laws that you are not aware of, the laws in between tribes, the laws of that particular country in that area, who, especially if it's an area that is prone to violence and war, same thing, right? Violence and war. But so we decided to, sp- and this, this should have been clue, big clue for me, was why is this famous photographer talking to a young woman and wanting to split expenses? He had the backing of so many different corporations for every shoot he went on. And I'm a barista paying exactly half of everything we're we're paying for, right? But I was young. I was a young kid, and I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't know. I just, that should have been big clue right there, big giveaway of this guy is not okay. So anyway, this guy, now that I have some experience and some years looking back on it, understanding what really happened this guy as soon as he saw me i remember i was waiting for him at the airport in addis addis ababa and as soon as he saw me it was the first time he had seen me he always heard my voice as soon as he saw me i could tell like he just his jaw dropped like he was so disappointed you know i think he was expecting a tall blonde um blonde-eyed blonde-eyed blonde-haired blue-eyed woman with big boobs and all this right and instead (laughs) he got me this like brown skinned petite long black hair you know ethnic woman right right that when my friends would always say fun when you look at you you know there's no chance in hell that they would get laid (laughs) do you know what i mean like i hate you all well i'm sorry but that's that was I, i was i was always like why do these kinds of people have that reaction about me. Like, am I not attractive? Not that, that that I want them to be attracted to me, but I'm like, what is that look that they give me? And one of my friends, like, who's always a truth teller, like, sometimes it would totally hurt your feelings. But she flat out said, because when they look at you, they know that you're not going to be a, 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 a plaything for them. Do you know what I mean? I will have none of that. Right. So anyway, so this whole trip, he would try to sabotage me every step of the way. He even tried to poison me and I got really sick, really, really sick where I couldn't get out of bed. I think I've I've briefly mentioned this before on another episode. I think you have. Yes. So it was horrible. But because of him, a couple years later, I was thinking about taking a photography lecture that was happening in New Mexico. It was Santa Fe. It was in Santa Fe where all the artists would always meet. Right. Mm-hmm. I had mixed feelings. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should go. I can't really stand being around other photographers. And they're so egotistical and like, ugh. and so I remember a friend said, you should go. I think it's destiny. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, I agree with you. I don't know why. So I go whenever I would go to these things, I would dress up. Even in art school, I dressed up. But I dressed up because I had a job right after. I I worked in retail and I had to wear pantyhose and pencil skirts and blazers and, you know, pumps. 
I dressed the same when I would go to show my portfolio or if I would go to events like this, like mm-hmm. lectures and stuff. Everyone else is in ripped jeans. Everyone else is artistic. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with my briefcase, which had my portfolio in it, by the way, I carried a briefcase. Mm-hmm. And because I was, uh, this was business for me. I realized at a certain point, no matter what you do, it's business. Right. And you can treat that business with total love and creativity. But it's still business. So for me to take photographs of you, it's not about me. It's about making you look good. It's about your business thriving because I photographed your business in such a way. Mm-hmm. I'm here to provide you with something. Right. right? And so um, I'm sitting there and we don't know who the lecturers are going to be or I certainly didn't. And I'm sitting there and I'm in front row, second row actually, but like up front, like front and center, ready for whoever is about to speak, ready to take notes, so excited. And who should come on stage but this fool, this evil photographer, last time I saw him, was trying to bail on a major bill. We went to a restaurant in the hotel and he ate and ate and ate and then just left me with a bill. And I was like, nuts to, uh, enough. And I remember telling the, the manager, he didn't pay the bill. Right. And so he got tracked down and they forced him to pay. But anyway, but that was the last time I saw him. And mm-hmm. here he is on stage and everybody's loving him. Like, ooh, it's this famous guy. And I'm like, oh my God, if you guys only knew what this guy does behind the scenes. Like, this guy is disgusting. Like the way he treats the environment, the way he treats people just to get a shot. Like it was ridiculous how many times he almost got us killed out there. Um, Like I'm talking about AK-47s being pointed at my temple. Like just he didn't care. He did not care. Right. And yet he was speaking like he was so loving of the environment and so loving of all these cultures. I mean... So behind me, so here's where my weird friends come through. Behind me, I didn't know anyone in this auditorium. And I started to very slowly put my stuff away, put my notepad away, because I wanted to get the hell out of there. Of course. I did not want to be there. And all of a sudden, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I don't know this guy. His name was Alex. (laughs) I found out later. He gives me this handwritten note. And he he said, don't leave. There's love for you here. I'm like, who the hell? What? Um, Anyway, I kept the note for years. I think I still have it somewhere, but I, I, I still left. Right? I left. I'm like nuts to this. And I guess the guy followed me. The guy behind me. Mm -hmm. And... I, I wandered around for a little bit to walk around because I'm like, what am I going to do? I just was so like shaky and emotional. Mm-hmm. Just, I was like, I can't believe this. I grabbed my briefcase and I was headed out and I was walking across this dirt like yard. T- typical Santa Fe, New Mexico scene, right? Like right. in this Adobe place leaving. <laughs> and, and then I hear someone say, is that your portfolio? talking about my briefcase is that your portfolio and i kind of paused but i didn't turn back i kept walking Mm -hmm. excuse me excuse me is that your portfolio and i turn around and it's the guy he's like can i see it please i'm like i was just headed out he's like please can i see your work i'm like okay 
So we're sitting outside. I'm standing, and he's le- he's turning the pages of my book, right? And with each page, he he keeps yelling, "Holly! Oh my God, Holly! Holly, come here!" And I'm like, "Who is Holly?" I didn't see anybody else around us. Mm-hmm. So along comes Holly. And so they started looking at my work and they're like, why are you leaving? I briefly told them the story. They're like, well, where are you going to go? I'm like, I think I'm going to go to a restaurant. And they're like, well, we'll come with you. <laughs> and so <laughs> we went to this restaurant and I told them the whole story of what had happened. And so anyway, um, and they were like, where are you from? I asked them where they were from. I told them I was from Santa Monica. And it turned out that Holly was from Texas, but moving to Santa Barbara I'm like, oh my God, I go to Santa Barbara all the time. That's my spirit zone. That's where I I go to totally connect and get answers. So if you need anything, I can help you. Like that's my territory. It turned out she actually went to school in Santa Barbara for photography. And so anyway, so we became friends. And it was because of Holly stepping into my life that eventually led me to you Matt because all my friends in Santa Monica were always telling me I should study Aikido and I was like no I like the mixed martial arts I like the chopping and the hitting and you know and Aikido looks so fake to me no thank you these were expert martial artists by the way they're like Vaughn you have no idea what you're talking about you should study Aikido I'm like nope nope i've seen the videos they are so fake are you kidding me i've seen the videos I, like the videos of osensei I know, throwing I know. all those big grizzly guys with a finger mm-hmm. i'm like please so anyway um on our way to santa barbara she stopped in santa monica to spend the night over at my studio and we could hang out and i could show her the neighborhood and everything and so we she we would go back and forth and she would come to Santa, Santa Monica all the time and it was when Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon was out we went to see it we went to the parking lot to get into the car to drive back and before we got into the car we were just looking out at the sunset mm-hmm. we were on the rooftop of a parking structure typical LA and so she pulled this move on me it was purely energetic she did not touch me And because we had seen Crouching Tiger, because I was totally receptive, she pulled a maneuver and I looked at her. I'm like, what the heck was that? What did you just do? She goes, that's Aikido. I'm like, oh, it was a spiritual whirlwind thing. It was completely ethereal. Very weird. If you were going to describe some energy, weird. I'm like, all right, I'm sold. Fine. She's like, I'm going to help you find a place. Okay. So she's the one who found the school where you were at, Matt. So I'm sorry. Long about winded story. I'm so sorry, guys. But weirdness led me to you, honey. And there you go. Well, I have, and I think maybe I've talked about this before, but I have a story where I got to be the, and change the trajectory of someone's life. What happened? Check me out. My best friend in high school, Vince. God bless Vince. We were like, peas and carrots we were like besties we were like us against the flipping world for a while and then obviously dave came and blah 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 blah. but anyways so (laughs) in typical i suppose person you know people fashion vince decided he either a wanted to be a heavy metal drummer or b wanted to be a cop he knew back then he wanted to be a cop well it was always kind of in his sphere 
What a weird, like two different weird things. Zing. Completely different, right? Anyways, he told me, hey, yeah, there's tryouts. There's whatever you want to call it. There's testing to become a Orange County Sheriff. And it starts on this day. And so I said, Vince, let's do it. You and me. Let's see how it goes. You mean you were going to do the- We trained for the PT, the physical test. We, I took the physical test with him. Where you have to like carry a body for so many yards and you had to run 1600 yards and you had to sprint and you had to, I don't even remember what else you had to do. I think you had to climb a wall. I think, I don't know. Who knows? This was, this was an interesting amount of time ago, but I did that with him. And then I went to the next level where you actually took a written test just to see if A, knew English and B, were reasonably, you know, had your high school equivalency basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I took that with him. So... I was on my way to becoming a sheriff, which is interesting because welcome to the fates, right? But then I stepped away. Then I said, you know what? I'm done. And he continued. And because of that, that made him a special sheriff's officer, which made him a bus cop, went to, went to the academy and everything. And that was the beginning. I have a whole list of people that have totally been there like i have one i never even saw i was at a bookstore the bodhi tree do you guys remember the bodhi tree in la the bodhi tree you always talk about it but I, you never went you went there with me i'm on melrose if, if you say so you guys the bodhi tree was amazing all all kinds of books mostly spiritual books weird books <laughs> so weird I, books i was there one day looking for help I was looking for some book to turn to for comfort. I sat on the ground, looking at the shelf in front of me, trying to figure out which one of these books should I pull out. Ah, the I Ching. There were so many of them. Of course. And then all of a sudden, this hand comes like inches by my face. Oh, heck no. And goes, and very gently, because it was a loving energy. It was totally loving. Very thoughtfully, very gracefully, very respectfully, very close to me, goes and takes out a book, pauses on this one book, and then slides it out, and then the hand motions like this one. I didn't even look to see who this person was. I just (laughs) took the book and I opened it. I bought it. I have it to this day, all these years later. Mm -hmm. That book one day ended up on my shelf at my house in Seattle. I had just moved to Seattle. One of my best friends, Daphne, who I always talk about, comes over for the first time to my house, goes to my bookshelf, goes straight to this book and said, oh my God, that's my acupuncturist. That's my doctor. (laughs) That's his... That's, That's his, his dad. That's oh. his dad. So like a lineage of this whole family of really talented acupuncturists. Mm-hmm. But this is like, you, you've seen the, you, you know, the book I'm talking about, it's super thick, the I Ching one that created more of a bond with my friend Daphne. And that book to this day is a weird, one of those weird things. Weird. And, and it, it's, but talk about metaphysical, talk about, you know, fate and, mm-hmm. and destiny and all that. That's what this whole book is about, right? The book of changes. Yes. And, and what did we say? One of the meanings was, wasn't it to become, to change, to turn, to bend? The, the spirit of becoming mm-hmm. is what weird means. This is the book of changes. That was another weird 
friend, but I never saw this person. Interesting. Your turn. I have nothing to match the um, well thought out that you've got. Listen, this is not well thought. Well, it is well thought out because I always think about how people affect me. And every time I see someone, I'm like, wow, because I do believe everything is a pre-planned meeting. Every person I walk by, every person that my eyes see, I feel like that was an assigned meeting. Mm -hmm. Every person on my path, we plan this. Right. We plan to meet, even if it's just to walk by, like our energetic fields combining for a Mm -hmm. second even. So I'm sure there's a lot, but it's not like I thought about this before the show. I'm just remembering these are the people. Right. And and I just started to jot down some names. And I do have a whole list in front of me. But yeah, it is well thought out because I always think about this. Even the birth of our kids and like how profoundly it changed my destiny or put me on my true path. That was a designated meeting for sure. Right. I'm going to give you another example of... A weird, a weird friend. This is how I got involved in acupuncture. I had moved to Santa Monica in that, in, in our neighborhood. The apartment that I lived in before I totally fixed it up, it had no flooring. One day I'm just sitting on the ground and I notice a spider on my leg. I'm like, ugh, and I flung it off. Right. But then we caught it. And we were looking at the spider. My friend and I were looking at the spider and it had fangs. I'd never seen a spider like that before. It wasn't big necessarily, but it had these fangs like, oh my God, what the heck is this? We looked it up and it was a recluse spider. We took the spider out and put it in the dirt outside. Shortly after that, I developed this thing on my shoulder that first it was like a tiny little dot. It was itchy and I scratched it and it started to bleed. And I didn't have health insurance back then. You know, I was working as a barista, no Mm -hmm. money, very little money. I couldn't afford to go to the doctor or anything. But this thing grew. It was actually three dots, like a triangle. Mm -hmm. It grew to this, I don't know, would would this be like five, five inches, five inches on it? It took up my whole shoulder, like a round bony part of the shoulder right here. Right. And it turned black. And on the outskirts were these bumps that would bleed. And the black part, if if I just scratched it a tiny bit, would bleed. Mm-hmm. This happened for months. Every day I had, like, in the middle of the day, I would have a fever. I very little energy. I just didn't feel good. One day when I was serving coffee, this guy walks in, this weird guy. <laughs> weird. Weird isn't good weird. The weird we're talking about. So he walks in. And he's like, whoa, what happened to your shoulder? I'm like, I don't know. I think it was a spider bite. I'm not sure. And he's like, do you do energy work? I said, yeah, I do. He's like, do you protect yourself? I'm like, I do it all the time. So maybe not all the time. Do I think, okay, force field around me, protection. I don't, Mm -hmm. back then I didn't. I didn't take it seriously enough. He's like, that is a sign that you were pierced. Your energetic field was pierced and that you were infected. That that wouldn't have happened to you if you were grounded. Like if you had that protection field around you. And you need to do that when you're doing light work. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I ended up having coffee with this guy. And he told me all about his work. He was an acupuncturist. And he told me about 
dragon. That's when I found out about the dragon energy. And that totally put me on the path of healing work. That's when I started to go to acupuncture. And I went, they looked at me like these, these beautiful elders from China were the teachers of the school. Shout out to Emperor's Clinic, Emperor's College back then it was called. But you could go for like $20 and get a whole treatment, herbs and everything. And they fixed you up. <laughs> I went in and I was getting scared. It was scary. And they just looked at me, no big deal. And then they just went boop, boop, boop. They put these needles in. Right. They made it bleed. They put a suction cup on and like sucked out all whatever was there. Mm -hmm. And I swear to you, I felt the fever leave from one side of my body and out the other. And I was perfectly healthy when I walked out. That was my whole healing world. That whole world of alternative medicine, mm -hmm. energetic medicine, all of that. It was because of this weird friend who walked into the coffee shop. Nice changed everything and now you know me everything is like i'd rather go to the acupuncturist first mm -hmm. holistically check me out because a lot of things the, do the normal doctor doesn't even like listen to me or like know what's really going on or i'll go to the doctor and then i'll go to the acupuncturist and they'll fix up whatever was would would happen from the regular doctor because like, let's say they give me antibiotics and then I have all these other problems. Then I have to go to the acupuncturist so they can heal up, heal whatever happened from the effects of the <laughs> drugs that they were giving right. me. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, so there you have it. I mean, seriously, it happens daily. If there are people out there, I guarantee you it's a weird experience. It's a weird friend to pay attention to. Nice. And you know what I mean now by weird, right? Right. So that's it. Pay attention. Weirdness comes. Re remember. And as you move forward, the, the weird friends who affect your trajectory. And you know what? We'd love to hear some stories from you guys. Email us, ourfriendlyworld.com. Let us know what your stories are. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, weird is good. Be well. Bring back the weird. Bring back the fate, the chance, the fortune, the destiny. Having the power to control fate. That's what weird is. Don't be afraid. We love you so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.